MaxScholarsPublishing.com. That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. Episode 22, welcome to the Black Scholars Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Andre Wilson Jr. It's good to be back. Took a brief hiatus after the end of last school year. Took a much needed break. I'm glad to be back, bringing you more incredible content. I'm glad to be able to connect with educators from all over the country, all over this nation. You know, whether, you know, someone's in Georgia or Wisconsin or Illinois or California. As black and brown educators, we all have the same reoccurring themes. We all have the same issues. Please follow me on Instagram at the Black Scholars Podcast. Also find the Facebook page. There is a private group or tribe that you can join. Also check out my book, Becoming a Highly Effective Black Educator, available on Amazon. I appreciate everyone's support. You can still visit blackscholarspublishing.com. Go to the store. Still have those Black Scholar Tees available to ship out right away. If you uh, or one of your colleagues or if you just know someone in passing who might be a great guest for the show, please have them contact me either on Instagram or Facebook or they can email the Black Scholars Podcast at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at the Black Scholar O-N-L, Black Scholar O-N-L. I'll leave all of this in the show notes. Back to episode 22. Um, Features two lovely ladies, two lovely educators, Tori and Timms, who's located in Dallas, Texas. She's going into her sixth year. Also, I've got Aisha Curry. She's in ATL, Georgia, going into her eighth year. And so I'm excited to have those two ladies on. As you'll listen to the show, you can see they have me outnumbered because they're science teachers. Actually, Torian is a science instructional coach, and this is her first year. And then Aisha, she's a physical science teacher. So I think you guys will uh, enjoy our chemistry uh, as we talk about, well, the topic. And so the actual topic of today's show is why do educators leave? Why do they leave the classroom? Well, excuse me, not leave the classroom. Why do they leave their schools? And so one of the reasons why I've been incognito, besides that um, much needed break, I'm actually switching schools. 
And this wasn't an easy decision to arrive to. Um, it was actually rather complex, rather complicated. And, you know, I'm very purpose driven. And, you know, we talk about it on this episode, but, you know, any other professional, they're able to, you know, bounce around every two or three years. You know, they try to make upward moves, not lateral moves. So why can't educators do the same thing? Now, I have several reasons why I I leave and I don't want to spoil the episode. But just being frank with you guys, because we talk about it a lot on the show is money. I'm divorced. I'm a single dad with two kids. I need more money. And that doesn't mean that, oh, he's not in it for the benefit of the kids. He's just in it for the money. No, as smart as I am, as much experience professionally and academically that I have outside of that classroom, uh, trust me, I'm not in it for the money. But me knowing how effective I am, me knowing how capable I am, Knowing all the great things that I do in my classroom and in the school, knowing that I am now officially a school leader, and by the way, I'll be going for my admin's license in fall, I know my value. And so I went to a different district. I'm still in Memphis, Tennessee, or in the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm going to be getting paid uh, significantly more. Significantly more. And it's worth it. It's worth it. I love my old district. I love teaching gifted kids. I love the Apex program. But just being candid with you guys, I was doing two jobs in one. And I was being severely underpaid. And besides that, I lost my work bestie. And there are other factors that go into it too, um, which I'll reveal later on. And I'll discuss some on this episode. But anyways, enough about me, Black Scholars Podcast. Find us. Love us, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and thank you for your support. And again, if you want to be on the show, if you got a suggestion for the show, if you got a guest that should be on the show, please email me at theblackscholarspodcast at gmail.com. Pick up shirts at blackscholarspublishing.com and go to Amazon and get that book, Becoming a Highly Effective Black educator it's a quick read i wrote it from the heart i am also working on another book that book is going to focus around raising your income and and your income streams specifically for black educators now i'm writing this for black educators but trust me it benefits everyone it benefits all educators it benefits classroom teachers school psychologists school counselors it doesn't matter i'm basically taking my experience working in banking and finance and taking everything that I've studied about money and I'm pouring it into this book and everything I know about being an educator, almost a veteran, if I'm not a veteran yet, going into my ninth year and um, looking forward to many more. So guys, I hope you're enjoying your summer. I hope you're getting the rest you need. I hope you're re-energizing those batteries and I'm back in full effect. And this is just one of many episodes that is coming. And again, episode 22. Let's talk about it. Welcome, ladies, to the Black Scholars Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Leonard Andre Wilson, Jr. Um, With me, I have Torian Thames in Dallas, Texas. 
I also have Aisha Curry in Atlanta, Georgia. And, of course, I'm located in Memphis, Tennessee. So we've got the perfect trifecta. Uh, yeah, we all over. <laughs> yeah, we're all over. But we're all in the South, though, all in the South. So that's good. Yeah. So I think they're trying to say Texas or Southwest. Oh, really? Well, that, that <laughs> they're trying to, try to take us out. I feel they're like trying I'm to take y'all out. Yeah. That makes sense. So today's episode is an important one because it's the summertime. It's July. Um, I took a sabbatical from recording the Black Scholars podcast and my other podcast, Much Needed. I had a long, difficult school year, uh, and we'll go into the details of that for each of our experience. And now I'm at a new school. So, and uh, I actually was at orientation today, as I told you guys um, I would be. And uh, I'm excited about uh, my new school for a variety of reasons, and we'll we'll get into that as well. I'm excited about the new school district. Now, let me make sure I know everyone's story before we really go into that. Torian, yes. you are a science instructional coach, correct? This will be my first year in that role, but yes. Okay. Now, did you switch schools? Are you switching schools, or you've already switched schools? Uh, I have, I'm switching, so I'm going to a new school in a new role for the 2019-2020 school year. Are you also switching school districts? No, I would just be switching schools. I'm still in Dallas ISD. Okay, so same school district. And Aisha, for you, are you switching school districts? Uh, no, I am moving up a grade level. Okay. I did recently just switch school districts, so I switched last year. So you had a year at your new school? I had a year at my new school. I okay. was in a public school district, okay. and now I am at a public charter. Hmm. So not only So did you switch districts as well? I switched districts and switched states. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And before Georgia, you were in South Carolina? South, South Carolina. Yep. Okay. And you are a eighth grade physical science teacher. Correct. All right. So I'm, I'm outnumbered okay, here science, with the science. science. Yeah, I'm, out, I'm outnumbered science. here. Um, but I will say this. I'm an English teacher. Um, however, I love science. And I'm coming from a STEM school. And my new school okay. is a STEM school already. So... It's, Which is a conversation all in its own, because what does that mean? Yes. But carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, wow, where do we start? Um, I guess I'll start first, and uh, that'll probably lead to some... No, I don't want to start first. I don't want to start first. I want to hear from you, Torian, because you're in the same boat that I am as far as switching schools. However, I'm actually switching districts as well. But okay. I'm curious to see what your experience was at your old school, what complications or conflicts, was it just, you know, what was the motivation behind the switch and what are your like concerns? And that's a loaded question. Don't worry about right. that. Just, so just, I'll just add some real surface content. Okay. So we know like, yeah, we'll what go mode I was in and then we can kind of dip and die from there. Okay. Um, so, I guess it's smart not to name the school. The school I was in was a part of an initiative from my district where it was essentially, I think the national term for this would be a turnaround school. Mm-hmm. Um, but they called it the ACE initiative, which stands for uh, Accelerating Campus Excellence. So I went to the school, I'm talking about my prior school. I went to this prior school 
recruited to be a part of this ACE initiative or this turnaround school initiative. So naturally, we got plenty of resources. I'm just going to say more resources. We had more staff. Uh, everything was in place for this school to go from literally dead last in the district with number 32 in our district. Uh, and we were able to turn that school to be number three. Um, that change was not, um, it didn't last as long as we felt like it should have. Uh, so for three years I was there, we did the work of the three year initiative and I stayed the fourth year to kind of see the transition through. Uh, there were a few reasons I stayed. I had been with my children from sixth grade all the way to eighth. So I just didn't want to abandon them in eighth because we take our state um, mandated testing in eighth grade. So I was like, oh, I want to see how it affects testing, them having the same science teacher all three, um, all three grade levels. Okay. Um, so fourth year was just like a night and day effect. Uh, the biggest thing that stood out, so the kids never changed. The community never changed, but the, the energy inside the school changed. Um, we just didn't have that staff morale like we did in the past. And, and you know, what naturally changed was the leadership. So, um, so new I principal or new principal, completely new administration. Everyone was new resources. Everyone's new for brand new people. Wow. The people that had stayed were people like myself, which you would kind of see as like the campus, kind of like veterans, people that knew key kids. Uh, which helped, but you still, I mean, at the end of the day, I think your visionary has to be the person who is carrying the torch. Um, so there was a lot of differences there. Um, and I just kind of woke up one day and I was like, I just asked myself, like, am I happy here? Uh, as much as I love these kids, as much as I love this community, and I have to say no. So that's just a little context and we can dive into it. I didn't want to take up all the airspace. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Thank you for, for starting that for us. So you said a uh, brand new admin team. Why? Mm -hmm. Like, what happened? So with this ACE initiative, so the way that my school district works, they're really big on, like, when you show your worth, you're moving up. Okay. Um, so my previous principal had been there for three years, and she did an excellent job. So it's almost mm -hmm. like uh, the community I work in is a – it's probably – I, I would dare to say it's probably has the lowest socioeconomic status in all of like the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. I would I would throw that out there. I'm in South Dallas, so uh, it's it's a rough district or sorry community to just be a part of and to try to really drive change. So it kind of I hate to say it like this, but it's like she did her time, um, and so she had moved up to an executive director position. Naturally, with her moving up, she's going to move up those those playmakers that she had come to know. So she really positioned a lot of her AP staff um, in, high, you know, in district positions, more like central office positions. Wait, so, um, so your head principal, your previous head principal, she did such a great job. She was promoted and she took her admin team with her as a part of the executive director. Basically, and now I think about it, I actually spoke too fast. One AP did stay. There was one AP that was still there. One stayed. Okay. One stayed, yes. And he was and he stayed at the role as AP. He wasn't promoted to head principal. He was not, no. Okay. So so tell so they, us so tell us a little bit about the new admin team. Um, do you want to turn the demographics? Do you want how do you want me? You just want me to just just give you the my story the, on the just the the culture that they created, or how were they personality wise? Did did 
educate did the faculty like them how were they with kids so one thing i noticed off the bat being had worked at that school for three years and it's a very unique kind of campus like any teacher that works there just needs to know like you're coming to work this is not a school where you're going to be able to have like Oh, I'm just here for my check. Like, this is a school where you really... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, you really need to dive into this work. It's, it's going... The payoffs will be great. But you, this is not... It's a campus where everything is everything. Everybody's literally an administrator. You have to be at any moment because there's anything that can happen at any moment. So one thing I noticed from the very beginning of the school year, last school year, was, like, the expectations were non-existent. Mm. But... Because with, uh, with the change in staff also came a very high turnover. A lot of the teachers left. I was going to so ask little, you about that. How high? A little, a little piece I left off is that we were paid a, um, uh, a stipend for being there the previous three years. Once the stipend was gone, uh, we lost a lot of teachers. Now, and let me ask you this. Was the, a lot of men teachers. Was the stipend a result of a grant to turn over that school? Like, where'd that money come from? If you know. Uh, it was, so when they started this ACE initiative, the ACE initiative was just given, um, and a lot of, it was given to just some money allotted to teachers to come. Basically, it was a recruiting, uh, mechanism. Like, come work here, you're going to get this 10000 So I'm, I'm assuming the district just kind of carved off money for these struggling schools, and that was their budget. It was just a part of the budget for the ACE initiative. Okay. So every middle school wasn't like this. As a matter of fact, it was only three middle schools. The ACE initiative was really for elementary schools. Okay. But there were some, there were three middle schools that I think were really struggling, so they added them to that little bunch. Okay. And during those four years at that school, you taught science and physics? Yes. Okay. So I've taught all three grade levels, six, seventh, and eighth. Uh, and then my last year, I taught physics, which was, it was a high school credit for eighth graders who were advanced. Now, was there, you said previously that, you said previously that you woke up and you asked yourself a question if you were really happy there. Was there something that prompted you to start reflecting on your career there? Um, okay, so I think what I want to say here is that I think throughout the whole year, I was really analyzing and trying to decide what was next. Because, you know, a lot of my colleagues had already left. And I was just, and I wouldn't be leaving because they left. But I was like, okay, so what is next? Because I'm really big on, like, this events. You know, I, what's the next thing that I can do? Uh, and I felt like my work there had just been done. And although the school still had many things that could be fixed, I had to be honest with myself as a black educator and just say, these problems that I'm seeing are problems that, that I can fix on my own. These are community problems. These are societal problems. And I think black educators, we put a lot on ourselves to think that we have to go and change schools. And I don't think that's what Agreed. our job is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. We put a lot of I have pressure a whole, on ourselves. I'm working on a whole book behind just that. Like, we are not, <laughs> we cannot fix problems that aren't even ours. That's an interesting concept, and mm-hmm. once you're ready to promote that, I want you to come back on the show so we can dig into that uh, topic Absolutely. as well. Um, hmm, interesting. A lot of the things that you said, I can definitely relate to. Um, Aisha, what do you think? Because you've made the transition already, so you're at your new school. You've been at your new mm-hmm. school for a year, going into your second year, Um and previously, did you teach eighth grade physical science as well? Before you I left? did. Okay. I did. Okay. Um, 
my situation is definitely a little, um, I guess, unique to just my family. We were planning to move anyway. Okay. And I hate to say it, but if we didn't move, I probably would have moved schools. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of happened that it just kind of panned out that way. I will say is that I worked in a rural area in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and I was probably I was one of two. Uh, black teachers and I think I was one probably the first black teacher for many of my students Mm. and I worked there for three years and it was it was a great experience to have but it does get very overwhelming at times um, so like just having someone to go to that actually you can talk to and you're having the same type of situ- like situations or just things, it, it, it becomes a burden at times to have that conversation when you can't really talk to anybody else. Um, and then there became different situations where I was the go-to for like diversity and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the head all or be all for black people or people of color. None so, of us are. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not the go to. I can't give you every um, answer for that. So a lot of that started to happen because when I left my original district that I worked in before I moved to that district, one of the reasons why I moved is because I wanted to move to a more affluent area. I thought in my mind, okay, well, um, I moved to a more affluent district and maybe things will be better um, than where I was at the time because it was uh, definitely a really rough district. They had just got a new superintendent. They were trying to change things around. I was at a school that was the lowest in the district. Um, We were probably one of the lowest performing in the state. And I just was like, you know what, maybe if I move to a, a better district. What ended up happening was I moved to a school that was the lowest of the school in the district. So even though the district had a good bit of money, mm-hmm. my school was still a Title One low-performing wow. school. Were you aware of that before you moved? <laughs> I don't know if I was that aware. Mm-hmm. And then when I got in, I was like, oh, because they gave us things like I had the best of the best technology. Mm-hmm. So he had an iPad. I had a, um, all the kids had, were, had iPads. They were one to one. We had Chromebooks. We, I had a MacBook. I had an um, Apple TV in my room that I used as my projector. Wait a second. Um, the kids had iPads and Chromebooks? Yes. Why? Ooh, y'all was doing it big. Why? Oh, when, I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you the district was like technology driven. Uh, um, they that's were a whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah. They that's were trying to make sure that all the kids had access to all these different things so that they could be able to go out and outperform. And what the problem <laughs> was is that they gave all the kids technology. Because I'm a technology, like I love technology. They gave them the technology but did not train them on how to use the technology, mm-hmm. nor did they train the teachers. Mm-hmm. So all of this was just giving them toys. So a lot of us teachers became frustrated because we had to go in and then have to teach the kids how to use the technology. We had to learn it yourselves. Yeah. Right. And then because I was, you know, pretty much a technology, like I love technology and I just love it. And I would know it. People would come to me. So then I became exhausted about, you became a specialist. Right. 
Like, and I'm not the specialist. Right. And so I can't just stop what I'm doing to help you figure out how to get to this app right. or Ooh. how to airplay to your projector. Yep. So it's just, it, it became a little bit tiring. And then they wanted us to be pretty much paperless, um, which is fine for me. But then if you're working on a team with people, right. like, everybody can't be paperless um and then you're working in a rural area and you want us to put assignments online how are my mm. kids that are in internet. a rural area exactly internet access um just access to a power cord because again and i tell people all the time poor is poor it has no color right. so these are people that don't have access to the many different even necessities that we have on a daily basis and I can't ask them, okay, did you do your homework or turn that in? Because you couldn't charge your iPad. Aisha, question for you. Did So you guys, you were more than a one-to-one school. You were a two-to-one school. Um, I, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. but, um, but And that's because the technology. So the district gave us iPads. So every kid in the district had an iPad and could take it home. That's what I was going to ask you. They could take it home. Title, okay. Right. We got Title I money. And Title One additional money, okay? Right. Title One money was what helped buy the Chromebooks. So, and could they take the Chrome Chromebooks home? No, the Chromebooks could not go home. That was um, like you had a Chromebook card, and then you could use um, okay. in your an additional. Let's distinguish between the technology, and this isn't the focal point of the show, but I'm just curious. Um, what was the purpose of the Chromebooks as well as the iPads? Like, what did they do differently on their Chromebooks that they didn't do on the iPad or vice versa? Well, Chromebooks provide them with a keyboard. So you don't have a but keyboard you on your iPad. On iP- you can, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so many states are going to, when they're testing, right. completely digital testing. Right. If you want a kid to write a paper, like they can't write a paper on the iPad. And we struggle. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why my last year when I left, because all the testing was done on the iPad, okay. I saw kids being straight struggling, right. taking tests, because how are you typing on the iPad? How are you showing strategy? So, exactly. wow. And, and th- again, this is not, <laughs> listeners, this is not the focal point of the show um, <laughs> at all. I'm just, oh, wow. But, I, okay, so my, my school's a one-on-one. Torian, your school's a one-on-one? No, I was doing that bad boy with worksheets. And, okay, you know, I got you, I got you. I mean, with the sweat off my back, but it so, is now. This next year, our okay. school will be one-on-one. And you guys will have iPads. We we will not. Uh, actually, the campus I'm going to had a Verizon grant, and they do have one to one. Okay. But I don't know how long that's. I don't know how sustainable that's been for that campus. Okay. Uh, but the all the middle schools, or at least the the ones in this new initiative, I'm part of a new initiative now, uh, are going to get one to one Google Chromebook access. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the school I'm coming from, and the school I'm going to, and even I'm going to say the districts as well. Everyone has an iPad. There is a um, a keyboard, a wireless Bluetooth keyboard that mm-hmm. attaches to the iPad that I have my kids type papers. I have my kids do testing online. And here's the other concern as well, too, besides everything you said that, that, that I'm interested in. Um, so you said all of the testing was online? Yes. 
how is that how has that worked out like has the delivery of that been seamless or has there been some technology hiccups because in the state Um. of tennessee there's actually a uh testing company i've done work for um and i mentioned them on the show Uh before their name is Queststar. they no longer have the contract with the state of tennessee because they were having too many uh technology hiccups during the delivery of the actual assessment so now mm. they have been replaced with Pearson. Okay. And also Pearson has a partnership with ETS, which is what Questar was trying to do um, before basically they got kicked out. Their, their contract was mm. So I will say we use, and it's funny because I just pretty much just crossed this, um, I, I just call it across the street um, from South Carolina to Georgia. We use the same company, which is DRC um, data recognition corporation. Okay. They have not had any, we have not had any issues or um, major um, issues. One thing I will say though, is that when they're on, when kids are online, mm-hmm. we cannot all be online at the same time. So I currently <laughs> am at, <laughs> it's funny. I'm currently at a five through eight school. Okay. When we tested in our window, grades five and eight, mm-hmm. because their promotional grades had to test first. So they tested like a month first and then grades six and seven test because they don't have to test. They don't have a science and social studies test for grades six and seven. They only have a math and ELA. So they tested at, towards May, the okay. um, beginning of May. So everybody in the school can't be on at the same time because of the um, internet hubs. Right. And so it will basically clog the system. And I know that for um, Georgia, many people, many schools, because they wanted, Georgia wanted everybody to be 100% um, paperless this year. But some schools, they were like, look, we're not one-to-one. So you're going to have to give us uh, an extension because right. we can't have all our kids online. We can't even have a classroom online because we don't have enough mm. computers. Mm-hmm. And enough. So I know some schools, they actually tested for like six weeks because they had to get the kids online and they had to get the kids to a computer. And if you don't have enough of those working computers or enough computers for them to sit at, you, you have an issue. So I know that's been the biggest issue. And I think that was even in South Carolina, too. That was the biggest issue is getting kids to a device to actually test. Wow. Um, Wow. So much to dig into there. I'm going to synthesize um, both of your stories and just quickly uh, share mine. So in Memphis, Tennessee, um, there were two huge districts, Memphis City Schools and there were Shelby County Schools. For whatever reason, for political reasons... Uh, I want to say in the year of 2012, 2012-2013, Memphis City Schools basically, and this isn't the technical term, they gave up their charter. So they basically collapsed for political reasons. Because they collapsed, it forced Shelby County Schools to take over all schools to educate all students. So you had, um, I don't even want to guess the number, over 200 plus schools under one district. Um, 
and I'm just throwing that number out there. That's not that's not exact. But you had a very large school district um, with very different, a very diverse body from educators to school board members to communities to families, and it was a hot mess. So for those, you know, just being honest, it was a hot mess. And so for those who were able to, which included, you know, my past district, which is actually out uh, in Millington, which is outside of Memphis, it's a more, it's where the Navy base is. Um, It's actually a very important Navy base. So we get a lot of military families there. We get a lot of uh, military faculty members there who are only there for two or three years and then they leave. Um, And so every, I'm going to say, quote unquote, suburb created their own municipality. And this was in 2014. When this happened, I started working for Millington Schools. So you had Millington Schools, you had Collierville Schools, you had uh, Arlington, Lakeland, Bartlett, Germantown Schools. And each one of these schools are different. They're different from what your faculty, the faculty looks like. They're different from a diversity le- uh, level. They're definitely different from a socioeconomic level and just experience. So the district I worked in um, was rural, um, not much out there. A lot of, for lack of a better terms, quote unquote, poor white trash is out there. And, and I stand behind that because next to the Walmart on Highway 51, we actually got trailer parks. No, I'm being honest. This is facts. We actually got trailer parks. Now, as soon as um, you said Walmart, I was like, okay. I oh, yeah, yeah. Right next to Walmart. Right behind Walmart, you got trailer parks. And so it's not to discredit those individuals because, I mean, that's the situation that they're in. I never judge them. I love those kids. I love those families. I taught my tail off for five years. I've literally done everything I could possibly do besides become a part of the administrative team. I was learning coach. I was on the one-to-one team. I was technology coach. Um, I did the. I was webmaster. I designed the website and updated it and everything. I literally did everything possible I could do. And in my latest position, as everyone knows on the podcast, uh, I taught gifted, grade uh-huh. six, seventh, and eighth. Uh, through the reading language arts class. So teaching gifted, that meant that I technically had two jobs in one. My first job, I was an English teacher. That's what I'm trained. That's what I love doing. I'm a writer. I love teaching English. I love English. The second half of that, I was a case manager, which meant I was a special education teacher, which was not that bad considering I started my education career as a special educator. But now I'm doing two jobs in one. And when I look across, and I know it's not about the money, but when I look across and I see the other municipalities, I look at this district and this district and this district and this district, they're all making more, significantly more. So then now it became the question, and so so we get into uh, retention or attrition. So this past school year, um, besides being the Apex teacher, again, two jobs in one, I'm also a learning coach, which meant that I was responsible for helping out new teachers, even veteran teachers, going to the classroom, watching their lessons, giving them feedback, opening up my door, allowing them to come into my classroom and watch me and my instruction. 
Okay. But your salary wasn't reflecting all of uh-uh. No, not at all. Uh-uh. No. As learning coach, uh-uh. I did get a stipend, but the stipend wasn't worth mentioning on this podcast. I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. It's not worth. Basically, you're working for free. Got it. Uh, might, mm-hmm. might as well. When you when you calculate all of the hours, um, you know, is that is that even minimum wage? Probably not. Probably not. And so... I still have stuff in my old school that I still have to go back and get. Um, I didn't interview for new positions um, when everyone else normally does. Our school year ended um, about the middle of May or the third week of May. Um, and I didn't have an interview until well into June. So this wasn't a decision that I made lightly. It was very similar to what you said, Torian. I woke up one day and actually, I'll tell you what really happened. My work, you guys got work besties, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's yes. got work bestie. Black educators out there, get your work bestie if you don't have one. You gotta have you it. Need, you need <laughs> at least one, one. or two or one. three, but you definitely need at least one. So my work bestie, and you know, when we started five years ago, um, there was a whole group of us. And we used to go out all the time. We used to happy hour. We used to go to ball games, all this stuff. They're gone. Me mm-hmm. and my work bestie, She's a math teacher or was a math teacher. She called me and she got a new job. And I was like, huh? I didn't even know you were thinking about leaving. That was it. There was no one else there. That was it. The, the, the squad had been reduced and I was the last man standing. And I said, you know what? I've already been, you know, hearing about how much they get paid over there how great their district is, how great their admin team is. And I will say this much about my old school. We had the same admin team the entire time. The admin team is really good. That's the reason why I stayed as long as I did. I appreciate the admin team. That wasn't the reason why I left. However, when you have, so over this, this, this past school year, we had 14 new teachers. 14 for a, for a faculty staff of a little bit over what 35 we have 14 brand new teachers including oh so 14 plus we have 15 including a brand new guidance counselor since i've been there we've had three different guidance counselors we can't keep a uh, a head coach for any of the basketball teams um which also served as our pe teachers and we have high turnover. Some of the turnover is understandable because, again, we are near a military base. But some of it, it wasn't their time to leave. They just left. And I think a lot of it um, had to do with, you know, expectations. Um, the morale wasn't the same. The culture wasn't the same. And it's just constantly a revolving door, a rotating door. Teachers here one day, they're gone the next. Teachers here the next day, they're gone the so next. So not even, not even the full school year. Like, oh, no. We went through, we've had at least, I'm going to say four or five teachers that didn't even finish the school year. And see, um, I don't like that. I really don't. I don't believe I, I in that either. I, I judge that. No, I do. I do. And I, and I don't like to judge people. You know, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to be the best person I can be. But my thing is this, I don't care. Like you, you leave the kids Mm -hmm. like at such a disadvantage. Yeah. They would be better just to have you for the whole year and just be mad. Like they'd be better just to have you for 75% of exactly. Yes. Yes. Like nobody. Oh, uh, let me clarify that. When I say some of that, so I'll say, 
three out of those five left on their own. Mm. Other two were fired. Okay, I mean, you can't help being fired, but the three, but the three, like, come yeah. on. But that's every year, though. Like every year, there's always someone from our first year. This has been five years from our very first year as a municipality. There's always been someone that's left before the year was even over, or left during Christmas break. It's like consistently ongoing thing. We have been through four librarians over five years. Four. Why librarian? The librarian? Let me tell you why. Yeah, let me tell you why the librarians leave. The librarians leave because the librarians don't get the chance to actually practice library science. They don't actually get the chance to. They're watching classrooms. They actually, yeah, they're babysitting. For at least, I think they have three or four classes or something like that. It's ridiculous. They don't actually get a chance to run a library. Like, they have classes. And the classes, basically, the kids don't want to be in there. The the kids think it's a joke because there's no grade attached to it. And so now you got behavioral problems. And each librarian that we've had, they've been stressed out. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows, you the librarian. I don't think you should be stressed out over that. Stuff. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Like you don't even have time to check out books. Like the librarians have to get kids to like volunteers, assistants to help check out books and whatnot because they had classes going. Oh. Like you can't even appreciate the library as a student because most of the time you can't really even come in there because it's a class. It's a class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's definitely something that they need to redesign. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't just point to admin for me personally, but I do feel like um, the changing culture that definitely was a huge part of it. Um, that I was felt a big the, thing for me. Yeah, I felt the changing culture myself. We started out as a family um, at the new school that I'm at now. Um, you know, that was one of the the top questions that the the principal asked me. Um, because she knows my, my, my former principal. Um, they know each other quite well. And she asked me she just straight up, like, Leonard, why do you, why do you want to leave? And I spoke to the fact that, you know, we started out as a family. And that um, pretty much has been, you know, uh, 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 it, it, it has eroded each year slightly more and more and more. And this past year was just the biggest realization where it's like, we got 14 brand new educators, 15 with the new counselor. And then literally everyone that I have built this second half of my career with is gone. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying to anyone leave because all of your friends leave. I'm not saying that, but, but it matters. You have to, you have, to have those honest conversations, those, those difficult conversations to really talk to your friends and ask them, why are you leaving? And once I had those conversations, I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> You're absolutely and right. And just to just like quick interjection, sure. I didn't add it to my story, but my work bestie got a job before me. <laughs> and I remember sitting back like, "Oh snap, I gotta go." Like, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Oh, and God, I started to guilt, I started to guilt trip myself and say, "These kids need me," and they do. Right. But it, but I but I was I have to release myself from this responsibility. Mm-hmm. This this heavy load of work that is not really my work. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to decide what your lane is. And I'm like, this, what needs to be done here? I don't even have, I don't even have the bandwidth for what needs to really be done here. You know what I mean? Like, so I, and I wonder as black educators, how big is that for us to have the right climate and culture? It might be bigger than the right administrative staff. Mm. I think it's a lot. I think it means a lot. When you first said it, it, I, um, I, I completely agree with you. I think it means a lot. Um, because even 
just thinking about where I previously worked, it, you you need something and you need someone where you can connect. And if you don't have it, you're still not going to be the greatest person you need to be for the kids. And no matter what, exactly. I love my kids and I love them and I still love them. I still talk to them to this day. But there are like there were things where I felt like, you know what, I could do better for you if I leave you. Like, mm. I can't I can't even <laughs> in the mindset in the classroom right now even think to even bring up to teach you about like force and motion and any type of like waves like because I can't because mm. I'm I'm not even I'm not even in the mindset so right. you have to have the correct culture and that's what happened when I was looking for my new district mm-hmm. before I moved I was like look I'm gonna ask I'm gonna interview y'all just like y'all interviewing me mm-hmm. because that part yeah, I, I need to make sure. Ask questions about I the culture. Go. Yeah, about the environment. Yes, definitely. And I, that was one of the biggest things I asked: how long people have been here? How long? Yep. What's the longest person that's been here? Yeah. I am blessed to work with a teacher. She has been working for over thirty years, and she's been at this current school for fourteen years. Um, and just asking like the questions. My current principal has been was the founding school of the charter. Mm-hmm. So. That makes me, I mean, she's never left the school. She just moved up. So, to and moved people up with her. So, people are just staying yep. at this location. That's and a that sign. Makes, yeah. And that's a sign, too. Um, and I just knew when I was talking to them. And also, they also, one thing that was very different that I've never had in interviews before, they let me walk the school and look at it on my own. Beautiful. Like, Big. Let me walk the school and go and like meet like the teachers and stuff on my own without the frou-frouness or the facade of other people just telling me about it. They were like, here, take 45 minutes. Just go and walk to school. That's how confident they were in their work. Right. On a normal day. Just go and walk. Just go walk to school. And so for me, that was really big because like our school was when I first got to the school that I previously worked at, it was great. But then things slowly start. I like to tell people it's like a, like when people say the grass is greener on the other side. Sometimes the grass is greener, but it's also fake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't prefer turf. Um, I'd rather you put down some sod or you know some seed. Like let I'll, it grow. Let me and let it grow. <laughs> I don't it to be fake grass and for a moment I thought it was real Yeah. and then it was like oh my gosh this is plastic mm. because it wasn't what I th- originally thought it was and it wasn't portrayed to me the same so that's a lot of why I like left because I was like uh, this is not this doesn't feel right in my spirit kids are not getting served like they should be yes. um, people are ang- like people are coming in mad like why are you mad um, people are complaining about simple stuff like like uh, they would just complain about um, not really even making building relationships with kids and it wasn't everybody but some of the teachers could not wrap it wrap their heads around that relationship is key Mm-hmm. So a kid is snapping at you and like, why is he not snapping at you? 
because he knows I care about him. Because I talk to like, him. I ask him how he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like you coming in here all mad, like, oh, he going to act a fool today. No. he Like, you know what kind of environment they come from. So why would you already come in, already ready to, you know, nuck and buck? But he's not... He's just, you know, he maybe he's his breakfast is his first meal from the weekend. Like, you know this, but you're still not going to have a nice, kind attitude. Um, and so that started to get that starts to wear because I'm like, we're grown, we're grown, these are kids. All right, so let me bring up an interesting point. And I thought about this probably a month ago. I've got a friend who graduated from Old Miss Law School. And uh, he just got hired at his first job, um, pending that he passes his bar exam. He's studying for that now. He's going to be taking that at the end of the month, so pretty soon. And he was saying, you know what, Leonard? I'm going to take this bar, but I kind of don't care if I pass or not. And I was like, huh? Like, you just sacrificed three years of your life and a lot of student loan debt to earn your juris doctorate and you're telling me that you don't care if you practice law he was like nah because i got a plan he's like you know i'm gonna work here for two years then i'm gonna do this for two years i'm gonna do this for three years then i'm gonna transition there and if that doesn't work i'm gonna do this and then i'll be a judge or if i don't be a judge then i'll be you know i'll be like a cfo or a ceo or you know i'll be an entertainment law work for a fortune 500 company and i thought about that for a second yeah he's so laid back right so laid back and i'm thinking about i'm like well dang why don't educators have those options and the reality of the situation the more i reflected and thought about it we actually do have those options, but we nobody do. explores it. There's such a negative stigma, and I'm going to get to the question in a second, but there's such a negative stigma on educators moving around. Now, we'll say this. If your resume shows that you stick at schools for a year and you just keep changing, 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 you can ask any HR rep, you can ask any hiring principal or assistant principal, uh, they're going to tell you that doesn't really look good unless you're just killing it. Like your numbers are just through the roof. But even then, I would say they probably still would be skeptical that you're going to kill it for a year and then you're going to get out of there. So, right. you know, having longevity is important. It's one of the reasons, again, I stayed at the district um, despite the consistent growing turnover for as long as I did because I knew it would show stability and my numbers aren't bad. So, you know, numbers look pretty good and I've been there for a while and I've done a billion different things, overworked and underpaid, and now I'm starting to reap what I actually sowed. So, I ask you ladies, I ask you as professionals, as black educators, as scholars, as professionals, I ask you, why can't we as educators, why can't we switch roles? Why can't we look and say, oh, well, they're paying more over there and their benefits are better. And we leave. I'm not saying leave after a year, but once you've established yourself and accomplished what you initially sought out to accomplish at your school or school district within two, three years, why can't we be as mobile as other professionals? I just want your thoughts on that. What do you think? I don't think it's a matter of what we can't do. I think it's a matter of the examples that have been set before us. Uh, just like, uh, is it, I'm sorry, Aisha? Just yes. like Aisha just mentioned, she, she's with a teacher, although a great educator. She's been there for 30 years. 
I had another teacher at my school had been there for 36. So I think it's our job, and I hate to use this buzzword, but I think it's our job as like this new age or this millennial age of teachers to show, like teaching isn't sexy anymore. It never was. Education <laughs> isn't a sexy career. But we don't have a, a framework laid for us, if you will, that says, okay, you can, this can be your craft, this can be your profession, but you need to do and make the moves that are best for you. So you can explore and grow just like the kids need to. Um, so I don't think it's that we can't. I think it's that we won't or we don't know how. That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lack of know-how. Mm. Or where, like, where to look. And Torian mentioned earlier that we feel, and I think it, I, I, I really hope that you do more research on this, Torian, because I feel like as black educators, we feel like we have to fix something. Like it's somewhere there that we have to fix. Like I was brought here and I need to fix it. And just like, I'm here, I'm doing all these different tasks and I need to stay here because who else is going to do it if I leave? Um, and I've already, you know, put my soul into this and that's why I'm going to stay here. Mm. It's yeah. So it's so I understand what you guys just said, but so it's possible. It we're we're, it limi- possible. we're limiting ourselves. And and do you I, think that it will hurt us in the end if you know we work somewhere for two three years and then we move on to the next thing? Uh, con- I think you know, it looks better. I think it looks better if you moved around instead of just staying in the same so place much. at the same time. Yes, and, absolutely. And to be fair, you know it's going to depend on your career objective. Like, what do you want to do? What is your long term goal? For some people, and it's no discredit to them, they just want to be classroom teachers forever, and that's cool. <laughs> But there's nothing wrong with being a rock There's star nothing teacher. wrong with that, especially if you're highly effective at what you do. But for me, even though I'm highly effective in that classroom, I've been doing this for about nine years now. I've got my eyes on other things. And, you know, and, and you get a taste of that. And I encourage every black educator out there, if your admin team give you the opportunity to take on some school leadership, do it. Even though it might not be well paid, even if it's not paid at all. I would encourage you at least for a year, do it. Get the experience. I got the experience of being able to coach other teachers, of being able to watch other teachers and give feedback and talk to them about the, the rubric that we use for our teacher evaluation system. I got the opportunity to go to all different types of trainings where I literally was the only classroom teacher in the room. And like, for lack of a better terms, I was killing it. They was like, how's this guy not a principal already? And I'm like, right? I'm like looking at them, right? How am I not? So, um, and actually, so, you know, that prompted me to take steps in my own career. And so starting next month, this fall, um, I'll be getting my admin's license. Um, Love it. Yeah, I'll be getting my admin's license because it's it's time. Now, I'm not saying me getting my admin's license and becoming a principal is the end goal because it's not. But I definitely want to, I like challenges. I get bored easily. I want to do different things. I'm amazed that I stayed in the same school for five years. I get so bored. I think the only thing that helped me was the fact that my admin staff had me do all these extra other things. I went from teaching seventh grade English to teaching the gifted. So there was a lot of, you know, there was, there was some variety in there um, Mm -hmm. to kind of help me prevent being bored. And not only do you have to know your career objective, you have to know who you are. So yes. if you're the type mm-hmm. of person where 
hey, once you got one thing good going, you just want to keep that going as long as possible, then, you know, then you have to evaluate your career against that. But you have to know who you are and be confident in who you are. Me, I get bored easily. I need some variety. So I'm so excited just being in a new environment under new admin um, with new colleagues learning, you know, because you know how we do. We still, I'm still in. I can't wait <laughs> oh, to yeah. get in somebody's classroom and watch them teach a lesson. I'm taking the, all this stuff. Literally, I, I might I take a poster. A, I heard a quote one time, and it says, your gift is not always your purpose. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of times, I don't know, I fell into education. I don't know if you guys studied education in school, but I did not. I Matter fell into, fact, I I fell into it as well. Of edu- yeah, I came from a lineage of educators, and I was like, absolutely not. I ain't doing that. And then look at me now. So uh, I think a lot of us are able to utilize our gifts within education, but it's not really the end game for us. Right. And mm-hmm. what happens is we kind of get sucked into the culture. I don't want to say sucked like it's a negative thing, but I think we just kind of see what everyone else is doing, and we kind of like we we shape what we're doing off of that but it's not your gift is not always your purpose so like use your gifts within education but really think about what you could be giving the world at large mm. because um, we do a lot in that classroom mm-hmm. we do a lot in that school on. like we're everything we're literally everything we do like, a lot i figured out i could do graphic design yeah. like i i've learned so much just being an educator because <laughs> i have mm. to learn it because <laughs> yeah. you got to learn it and you have to learn it on the fly yeah, absolutely. So it's like, okay, wait, we don't have no resources, so let me get on YouTube. Yeah, with a deadline and real pressure behind it, too. And it'd be good. And, yeah. and it's the good. Product is good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the product is good. So I, I, do, I think a lot of times we really just need to. I know me, I think, I say I think because I don't know. I don't know where my journey's going to take me, but I think my end goal is to just be a STEM educational consultant. Mm. Uh, I love that's that. Anywhere. Yes. That's anywhere. That's overseas. How are you? Because Okay, I'm going to go on a STEM tangent. Because I don't think STEM is always about the trinkets and the technology and the engineering. But it's more about the thought process. Exactly. Same thing with law school. Same thing with law school. Exactly. It's not about what you you have in your hand. It's how you're thinking about stuff. So that's my end goal. So I have to. That's why I took this instructional coach. And really, I want to say this. My position is called an instructional lead teacher. So I, I will teach one class and I will coach the rest of the time. It's a they've just made this position. I love it. But I say coach because that's a little more identifiable with people. But um, I, I I had to change my vantage point because I was just like I'm I feel like I'm not seeing enough of how this thing works. So I was like I have to be an administrator just so I have that experience under my belt. I can't consult nobody if I've never walked in their shoes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just we we have to kind of understand what our end purpose is. You you were right by saying know who you are and then allow experiences to guide you to where you're really supposed to be like your true purpose in life. And don't be scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> I think we scared. I think there's some there's some fear there. No. Because teaching is a very stable career. Yeah. If you do it right. <laughs> you can stay in there for a long time. And I think it's also important for teachers to know that for networking um, because just where you are, where you are, and where you want to go may not be where you're currently at. So a position may open up, and you need to be available and ready to take that position. But it may be somewhere else. Mm. Um, because if you get um, with good administrators, they don't mind sending someone else to do the best job somewhere else. 
um, especially if they know that that's your gift or that's you know where you need to use it uh, best for to better help kids. Um, so my principal is one. She's like, look, if this is not where you are supposed to be or this is not your end goal, let me help you go somewhere else. Mm. Because she has faith that she's going to find somebody else that's going to fill your position and do just fine. And can train. A lot of of administrators are scared that they can't train somebody to be what you were. And that might not be exactly like you, but you need to have faith in yourself as a leader that, okay, that's all right, I can let that person grow. Right. Because I know how to train them for this for for what I need, right? But that's that's a whole other tangent. Wow! And uh, I just tweeted that, posted that on Facebook, and I posted it on the actual IG. Um, what Torian mm-hmm. just said, which was your gift is not always your purpose. I need people. To, <laughs> no, seriously, I need, need people, people to, to reflect, yeah. on, reflect that. on that. That's like, deep. That. That's deep. Wow. That's nice. Wow. Wow. Let me we plug my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please tweet that out. Well, yeah. um, so, okay. Last question, and then uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, but, Aisha, since you have been at your new school and you're staying at the same school, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Any regrets? I think I think for me and Torian, I think that and everyone else <laughs> listening, um, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, oh, like, I, I'm not going to lie. When I was sitting in orientation today, and everyone was great. Everybody's great. Smile on their face. Everybody's yeah. dressed nice. <laughs> right. Even though school's not in session, you know. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, what if I made a mistake? What mm. if I... Not necessarily that I'm going to tank or I'm not going to live up to my expectations. But what if it's just not what I thought it would be? Like, what if I don't right. like working here either? Like, you know... But I discovered that early on. So that's my biggest fear um, in changing schools and school districts. Um, and, and Torian, you can add to that if, if you feel that too. But Aisha, any regrets? I will say no. I will say that there was times where I thought about things because this was a rough, this was, I won't say it was a rough, it was good and positive. I had some great things come out of it, but it was hard working because I'm at a school where I came from, also before the school that I came from, um, my admin may be in my class maybe one or two times a year. Um, This year, um, I saw my admin a good I see her every day, but mm-hmm. I definitely would see somebody was popping up in my room. Like it was once a week. And I was yeah. like, Ooh. Oh, okay. Was that, was that because you were, was that because you were new or? No, you, they, that's how they do things. Like they want to make sure that you are the best teacher that you can be for these kids. And because we're a public, a public charter, we have to have scores at a certain place in order to keep our charter. Mm-hmm. Or our district will not renew the charter. Right. So, one of the things I mean, it scores the score. I, I, I despise test scores, but that's another thing. But you have to ha- show something to be able to get money, and no one is going to let you come over here and have a charter school and try to take things over and try to make it better if you're not even showing that you are the best of the best or even, you know, even align with some of their better schools. So they were in there all the time. And because we're also a tight knit, a smaller school, it's easier for them to come in and just pop up with the little notepad or the computer and start making notes. 
And my kids, one of the great things is because the kids, um, I taught seventh grade last year, the kids were used to it. So they did not mind. They weren't like, you know, waving, acting. They acted normal, like normal kids. And I was the one looking like, oh, oh, again? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all watching, watching. Yeah, I thought it was just me because I was not only am I new to the school, but I'm new to the culture of the school. And I was like, oh, man, I'm about to they about to let me go. And <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I would come home and I would feel like stressed about me myself because I'm a reflector. Mm. And so that sometimes make me kind of think about was this the best way and then also too and I'm not gonna lie I've, I've never once been a lazy teacher but when you do research on schools and you know what type of person you are like at this particular school there was no downtime I could not sit there was no sitting there was no okay let's do a worksheet day today oh y'all gonna watch a movie y'all about to watch the magic school bus <laughs> you know brain pop like there was none of like I couldn't do anything that wasn't structured so I often wondered can I keep this up Mm -hmm. and that was my only thing that I guess would be like regret because I had to think about work-life balance so so did you keep it up over the school year yes okay Um, I was able to keep that up and then but what's funny is that my principal came to me and was like you got to slow down. Mm-hmm. Mm. And okay. she was like, you got to get out of here because we already know what you can do. Right. We wouldn't have hired you if we didn't think you were going to be able to do it. Exactly. But you got to slow down because you're not going to be able to sustain. Yeah. Wow. Burnout is real. Wow. Burnout is but real. But that's a, that's a shout out to your administrator. I don't know who she is, but that's a good, I can tell she's a good woman because they will let you kill yourself. Get, oh, they like, will. That's what they're gonna do when you kill yourself. Oh, they will. Hire another person. So you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. Like that too. Always. But I will. Tell, I tell people all the time though, if your first year, and I know people, I don't like for people to hop, and I never hopped. But if your first year, mm-hmm. finish out your first year, right? But after your first year, you wake up and you say, "This ain't right." <laughs> Please let your administrator know before the end, because it messes people up when we get to school the beginning of the year, first day, and we're looking around and you're not there, and you right. don't let somebody know, right? You know, or you just don't come back from summer break. Like yeah. you let somebody know, yeah, or ask for help, but um, and find you a good friend. I found a good. I latched on. Like I'm, I was a leech. I was like, let me find somebody somewhere that helps that yeah. can help me to just like physically be in the space. Torian, do you know any? Um, adding to Aisha's point, do you know anyone at your new school yet? I don't know a soul, okay. but I did. I was able to go to the model schools conference okay. with my uh, with the entire leadership team uh, in Washington D.C. in okay. June. Nice, and it kind of helped me get to know them a little bit. So that way, I'm not walking into complete darkness. But hey, I don't latch know on, anyone. Yeah, latch on to you know you know the admin team. Latch on to one of them. Mm-hmm. That helps. Yeah, that that, helps. I mean, and that's really all I need to be honest. Because right. what's different about now, and I'm glad I'm doing this position at a new school, is that I I was a teacher. Right. But sometimes when you get into those leadership roles, uh, and, and they people are, have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can transition yourself. You can be, but some people, <laughs> some people don't want to let you be. Right. So right. I'm glad that I can go in 
and I'm not going to automatically be sucked into negativity or, right. this, you know, the te- I'm not saying I'm not going to right. find my teacher homies, but I right. can go in with that, um, you know, with that coaching mindset. Like, no, I'm here to help, not necessarily be y'all friend. But, right. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully for myself, um, because I've done so much work over the past two years with the State Department of Tennessee, um, with the testing committee and different testing committees. I do know someone, thankfully, um, that I was on a committee with. So, um, and we've kept in touch. So I'm looking forward to working with him more, even though he teaches math, but still it's just nice to recognize a face and be able to talk to someone um, and it not be awkward initially looking for an icebreaker. So, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Ladies, last words of advice that you would give to a teacher who is considering changing schools, who is in the process of changing schools, and um, what 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 piece of advice would you give them? Uh, I think I want to say I think I want to keep it very light and just follow your heart, uh, follow your instincts. You know when something is not a good fit. If it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit, and be intentional. Uh, when you do change, really hone in on what it is that you didn't care for mm-hmm. and ask those questions at the next place. Uh, and don't be scared. I mean, even if you go to a school and it, and, it's, and it didn't work out the way you wanted to, kind of similar to Asia's point about the turf, it's okay. Learn from it. Take what nuggets you can and be, don't be scared to make moves with your best interests in mind. That's mm-hmm. okay. I would, I would also like to just um, state that it's, it's definitely good to know uh, yourself um, and know and think about where you want to go because uh, there are pathways, there are stepping stones mm. um, to where you definitely need to be and also do your research um, before you move to a different school because you may think that it is it is beautiful and, and peaceful on the outside but definitely do your research because you don't want to go into uh, another situation where you have to get out of Okay, good advice. And um, last piece of advice I would give to my educators out there is um, if you're in a city, um, a medium-sized or a large city, and you have several different districts or charter schools or private schools, know, although it's not the focal point, and I do, I'll admit, I talk about money a lot um, because I'm working on a book about money for educators because that's always the biggest problem. Um, Excited for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. But know what other options are available for you. Um, I played naive as much as I talk about money, and it's because I got other streams of income coming in outside of education. So I wasn't necessarily worried about what my direct deposit was from teaching because I know I had other stuff going on. But when I really started breaking down everything and I started looking, I said, I'm leaving money on the table. Get and I'm doing mm-hmm. and I'm doing and I'm doing two <laughs> jobs in one, technically three jobs in one, and and they're underpaying me? Like that's not fair. Like I want the general audience, if they're listening to this podcast, I want them to understand just because we're educators does not mean that we're martyrs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we educate us, we're not martyrs. Okay. We like nice things too. We like trips too. Okay? Yes. I want genuine yes. leather. Genuine yes. leather, not the pleather. I want the genuine. 
<laughs> we like to go out to eat too and leave a nice oh, tip. Yeah, you know, Gucci, y'all wearing Gucci? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I'm sorry, Gucci's canceled, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. We I like, just want to like go to Target. Nice too. I just want to go to Target and I not feel guilty. And not feel guilty. Exactly. Exactly. So again, my advice. Know what other districts around you, networks, charter networks, private schools, know what they're making. Because you could potentially be doing less, not saying you won't be effective, but you could be doing less work and making more. Mm-hmm. And give it more time to yourself. And all you got to do, oh, uh, we're not going to talk. I get an extra hour we'll going, of sleep every hours. day. We're going to do a part two, part two. We're going to have to do a part two. I get an extra hour of sleep every day. My old wow. school was a 640 school. I had to clock in at 640. What? Middle school. 640. Did you say it started at 640? The kids would start coming in at 640, yes. Kids would oh, come in at 640. Well, I would have left off at just that, off the stretch. <laughs> oh. I got I like, used hey. to it. I Sir, got I used hadn't to even it. gotten out the house at 640. 640. <laughs> I am now moving. I am now moving to those kids wouldn't have been served. I get eight o'clock school. I get to actually sleep. I get to actually watch. I get to actually watch one of my favorite shows at night, or read, or do whatever I want to do, and then still be able to get a good night's rest and wake up in the morning like a normal adult with a work-life balance, like a normal professional. So I'm excited about that. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited for you as as well. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just reading a book. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. No, yeah, personal reading is so. It's important. I'm sorry. We're gonna talk about it later because I know you try to wrap it up. Oh no, we're good. We're good. (laughs) Well, ladies, this was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on the Black Scholars Podcast. What can I say? Mamba out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta. Go! You will never know what you could ever be. If you never try, you will never see. Stayed in Africa. So it was no slaves in our history When no slave ships, when no misery Call me crazy, or isn't he? See, I fell asleep, and I had a dream It was all black